0: Hey there, welcome back to Belly of the Beast Life Stories. I'm David All. It's another season of life here at the podcast. This third season is a very rare collection of stories by men who share the golden thread of growing up with an absent biological father and broke the pattern to climb up a good man. I'll be sharing my own belly story later on this season. And let me tell you that a year ago, when we launched this podcast, I didn't realize this was my belly story. Let's get on with it. These are stories that you need to hear. Belly of the Beast life stories illustrate the nature of personal transformation. A change that forced us down into the dark, gooey stage of life, where we found our purpose and climbed up a new person. Our podcast has a purpose, a mission to heal, inspire, and shape lives with extraordinary life stories. Stand with us. Visit bellystory.com to share your extraordinary story. Listen and subscribe, sign up for episode updates, and chip in and enable our mission. I am so honored to introduce you to our first episode of Season 3, Lt. Bourne's Extraordinary Life Story. The
1: strength I gain by telling my story is a strength I've never felt before. I don't, I don't feel what people think anymore. What is more powerful than that? There is no greater power than being completely at one with who you are. There's no greater power than that. And I have that now.
0: Leonardo Lightborn, who goes by the pen name L.T. Born, has two vivid memories of his biological father. One of him teaching him how to flex his muscles, the other watching him through the window as he hopped into his car after a family fight and never looked back. Though he was a short 10 minute flight away, LT's father would never return, call, or make contact with his son LT. LT grew up and lives in Turks and Caicos, a British territory, a Caribbean island just north of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. There, the African adage, it takes a village to raise a child is practiced. Other dads and good men helped father and shape LT so did American TV shows like Family Matters, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and The Cosby Show. Growing up fatherless meant growing up with a deep sense of confusion, blaming himself, a fear of abandonment, and developing an unsustainable pattern of people-pleasing that crumbled when he returned home from university without a job and a period of unemployment. What felt like the end was the beginning of LT's transformation. He picked up his journal and started writing that journal led to authoring a book about his personal experience, growing up fatherless. I've posted a link in the episode notes for you and recommend that you read it. The healing work of telling his story led LT to generously reach out to his biological father and forgive him. This is an extraordinary life story that you need to hear. Lt. Bourne, welcome to Belly of the Beast Life Stories. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Lt. I want to start out with one of your earliest memories. You recall it very vividly, and you describe it very well in your book. You talk about an argument between your grandmother and your biological father. She was furious. Something he had done triggered this reaction. You saw your mom crying in the room and you're looking out the window. You see your dad jump in the car and leave. You're filled with confusion. Mm -hmm. You never asked your grandma or mom what happened because you didn't want to upset them. Yes. And looking back, right? You say your father this whole time is 10 minutes away Mm -hmm. and you never understood how you could miss someone who was never really there, but you did. Yes. Can you describe that for us? You know, my, my father was in my
1: life for a short period of time, and I remember him just in one moment playing with me and, you know, just having that father-son moment of him you know, showing me how to flex my muscle. So I, I remember we were sitting on a bed and, you know, I was like, Dad, look at my muscle. I was pointing at my shoulders, actually. <laughs> and he was like, no, son, it's, it's actually, this is your muscle. So that moment was was the moment I, you know, realized that, hey, I I have a father. And then probably months later, he was going out of the picture. And and that and left me with with great confusion because I don't understand how we could have shared that moment and then you just often leave like that and you never return to the house you never tried to make contact with me um, I understand that when you left you were still on the island for a few months you never came to the school to, to, to say hi and you know I was I felt like I did something in that moment, you know, even though I observed the, the, the turmoil between him, my grandmother and my mother, I also felt like I had something to do with him leaving because he never reached out to me after he left. So I felt like I was the cause of him being out of my life. And for many years I, I carried around that guilt of, you know, being the one to push my father out of my life and it 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 kind of it, it kind of weighed on on my interactions with people because now i had the fear of okay if i love somebody then they're gonna up and leave the minute i make a mistake or the minute you know i do something and so that spilled over into me having a, a people's pleasing personality and that that was a very toxic personality to have because it, it made me reluctant to say no when I should have been saying no in a lot of situations, and that led to me um, making a lot of poor decisions later on in my life. And so I felt like if he was there and he and he. Um, didn't leave in a way that he laughed and he maintained some level of conflict i would have avoided a lot of the mistakes i made later on in my life my father i i i i I blamed him a lot for the things that i went through um, because i felt like most of the most of the things i went through was because of his absence, if he was there to guide me, if he was there to be that, that, that place of, of, of security and and protection, then I wouldn't have developed this people pleasing mentality that led to a lot of poor decision-making later on in my life. That period, I I would say pretty much set up my whole life and my whole journey. Um, I'm not necessarily blaming him because I've met so many great people because of this of the decision he made. However, I felt like the journey could have been a lot more easier if he had stayed in my life.
0: So going back to those early days, that confusion. I'd like you to build on that for us and answer the question, when did you realize that something was different in your life than for other folks?
1: I realized that when, I mean, watching TV, you know, I I grew up watching a lot of American TV and American TV shows and shows like the uh, Family Members and the Cosby show and um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, they, those shows gave me an idea of, what a family structure should be like. And when I looked at mine, I was like, okay, something is a little off here. You know, my my mother and my grandmother is raising me. This isn't how a family structure is supposed to be. And so that was the moment when I realized that, you know, something was definitely off with the way um I was being raised. And i i I wouldn't say it I wouldn't say it confused me but it it made me it made me feel insecure it made me feel as though I was incomplete because I wasn't being raised in the same environment that I saw other people being raised on t v and so i I played this comparison game you know and i and and it made me in some some situations feel sad too because you know here's Eddie from Family members being lectured whenever he made a mistake from his father, um, as and I didn't have that. You know, it was always my grandmother and my mother lecturing me, and I always felt like they didn't understand some of the decisions I were I was making as a male. I mean, they was just speaking from a perspective of a a woman, but I I also wanted to to hear my mistakes from the mis the, from the perspective. Of a man. And so I I believe that also, you know, was a a lack, an area of lack in my life. So I I think American TV, I wouldn't say I think, I know that American TV uh, made me compare my life and made me realize that something was completely off with my family structure.
0: And then that seemed to come to life on Father's Day when you were in church and you talk about seeing the other fathers and the stepfathers, and you hated to be there, and that was also your birthday month. Can you talk about that just period of life?
1: I hated it. Like I'm literally just starting to feel comfortable celebrating my birthday. I hated Father's Day. Uh, just being in that environment. I used to think my mom was punishing me for sending me church on Father's Day because here I am, this fatherless. Kid, and I'm seeing all these fathers embracing their children, their stepfathers embracing them. And I'm just sitting in the back there feeling all empty. And then the elders of the church would make us go and pin fa- flowers on the pastor, I guess, to make us feel as though we are a part of it. But it wasn't the same. Like you would see the love on other families' faces and then it will be like this this empty feeling um, just sitting in the back door watching that so I hated that for many years and when I was old enough to make the decision to not go to church, I stopped going to church on Father's Day because I didn't want to encounter those emotions of, of emptiness anymore and my and my birthday like, like it was just a double hit in that month because my birthday was always a period of why would this man bring me in this world and and leave me here? You know, why would he make that decision and, and and not be with me through this process? You know, it made me feel as though my my birth was a mistake when I realized how babies were made. It made me realize, it made me uh, think about my, my birth being a mistake. What if I was a mistake? What if, you know, he didn't intend on having me, which is why he neglected me and, and rejected me, you know? So my birthday was always met with. Those type of questions. And I hated that. I hated battling that. I, I didn't want to celebrate it because I felt like I was celebrating a mistake in my parents' lives. Why why should I celebrate th- their mistake? You know, it just didn't make any sense to me. So those are things that that bothered me earlier in my journey. And those are things that I am now learning how to heal from.
0: You grew up and you live now in the Turks and Caicos, which is a British territory. It's population around 43,000 folks. And for our listeners in the U.S., Turks and Caicos is about 670 miles southeast from Miami. It's north of Haiti in the Dominican Republic. And there's a lot of influence of, well, you talk about in the South Caicos specifically where you grew up that the African adage, it takes a village to raise a child, is something that kind of r- flows through. Uh, everyone kind of chips in to help raise the, the children. But I'd love for you to turn that around in your experience being a child uh, in that environment. Do you feel like there were father figures around you that stepped in to play that role that you were seeing? in other families, at church, that you were seeing on TV?
1: Most definitely. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood hanging out at my best friend's house. And his father, um, his household was one of the um, households in the community that had both his mother and his father in the household. And I spent a lot of my childhood in that environment and just observing and just seeing, you know, how he would um lecture my my best friend and sometimes even me while we sit at the dinner table and, and have sandwiches or have dinner, he would just give me some words of advice of encouragement. So he saw me being friends with his son and he just embraced me as well. He saw the potential I had, he saw my intellect and he, and he nurtured that. He always told me, you know, I'm, I'm one of the most brightest young man he's ever seen. He would give me those type, type of words uh, of encouragement to, to keep me on the path. And I, I would say he had a tremendous impact on my, my childhood and, 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 and me developing the, the right perspectives as a male. He, he, um, put me, in a position to always have someone to talk to uh, uh, about cer- certain things, I encountered. I mean, he he was he's been through me throughout this whole entire process as a mentor, and I and people always ask me, you know, Leo, how do you overcome this fatherlessness in your life? And I always tell them, mentorship is a is a is a phenomenal thing. Um, it's 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 reaped so many benefits in my life. I mean, while I was in university in the United Kingdom, you know, having someone I can send emails to and text messages to. And I'm talking about paragraphs and paragraphs about the things I was going through and having him read that and, and send me back detailed information on how I can cope with it, how I can overcome this as a male. That really gave me the, 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 the fuel I needed to, to, to power through life and to to accomplish the things that I have my 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 eyes set on and my desires set on. Now, if he wasn't, if that figure wasn't there, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't think I would be in this position I am today. I don't think I would be an author. I don't think I would have had a book because I definitely would have felt victim to the environment that I was in you know I could have been in jail I could have been on drugs I could have been in a state of hopelessness but I'm not I'm not because I had a a mentor who happened to be my best friend's father and so the adage of it takes a village to raise a child really kicked in because here's a member of the village now taking on the responsibility of mentoring a kid that's not his. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. So he he stayed true to the African adage, it takes a village to raise a child.
0: You brought up your book and being the author of that book, which is It's Not a Man's World, How I Conquered the Sins of My Father. Listeners can find a link to that. Uh, pick it up from Amazon.com. And I highly recommend it to understand really the role of an absent father, just the influence that that has on a young man's life. And I would love for you to articulate for us just the depth of that impact. You, there are a few quotes that I pulled out. I thought my birth was an accident and that people were only tolerating me. I did not think I was worthy of love.
1: It's, it's true. You know, it's, I, I spoke about it a few minutes ago. It's, it feels like your whole life is a mistake and that you are basically, how do I say it? You don't, you wasn't planned on being here. There wasn't any excitement in the air when Leonardo Lightborn birth was announced. You just, it, it just felt like you just happened. Oh, he's here, he's just here. I, I, I felt like that, you know, I, I especially um, when my mother left to go live on another island um, and I was being raised by my grandmother. When that happened, I, I just felt another deep sense of my life was a mistake. and. I I shouldn't be. I I felt like I, I don't. It's 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 a very very dark and and lonely feeling. It's it's like it's like you're not worthy to to exist. It, it's it's that feeling, and I guess I overcame it through my friendships. With my, with my friends and mentorship and, you know, having faith in God, you know, but it's something that I, I struggle with throughout my entire life, you know, and this is how my people's pleasing mindset began to develop because, because I didn't feel worthy of love. I always felt like I needed to win people's love in my life so I would always be the the person you call and I'm always there I'm always available I always want to go above and beyond for you because I didn't feel worthy I always felt like I had to buy your love buy your approval so this is what led to my people's pleasing mentality people would interpret this as being someone who's who's dedicated, who's committed, who's hardworking. But deep down, that wasn't who I was. I was suppressing my insecurities of feeling not worthy. So I needed to try and buy your worthiness of me. So that's, that's why I was overly involved. And it's now that I'm learning how to say no, how I'm learning how to put out barriers. But earlier in my life, I always felt like I needed to buy people, buy people love in my life. You
0: talk about the the highest the maybe the the depth of this time in your life as being just very recent when you returned home from university and you saw yourself as a failure you didn't have a job you said i felt like i let my family down can you tell us about that
1: yeah cuz my my family was in uh high earning working class family they made a lot a lot of sacrifices for me to be in a position to go up to school and and succeed and through many times um they they put themselves in financial debt so that I could have a meal on my plate while I was in england and to return home and for a period of about eight months to a year not have a job and not sort of make any sort of contributions back to the sacrifice they made, it, it put me in a very dark, dark place. I felt like I, I let them down and, and, and I felt like I had a feeling that, you know, I wasn't going to come out of that. Like I, I, I wasn't going to get a job. I I I was starting to feel a sense of hopelessness because nothing was working. I wasn't getting no calls from job interviews. Every day was every day felt like three months. That's that's I I I remember not even wanting to get up to face the day. I would lay in my bed until till noon. You know, just 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 hating the the fact that I couldn't. Contribute to my household and 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 be this person that everybody wanted me to be, you know. So that that period was the darkest period of my life, but it it, it brought the 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 darkest period brought about my greatest blessing, and and that I was able to journal. And from my journal, I was able to develop the idea of writing a book about growing up without a father. So that period brought about one of my greatest blessings and given me a story that is relatable to a lot of people globally. So I, I even though it's one of my darkest periods, it brought about my greatest blessing.
0: LT, let's take a break and come right back. Well, it's been almost a year since we've launched this podcast. We've had 10,000 unique downloads or so and almost 100 five-star reviews. We still have a ways to go, but you know, I'd really like to encourage you to help us reach some of those internal goals that we have of... Just getting more folks to hear some of these stories, it's a really magical thing to see on our end when one new listener discovers one story, they listen to five more uh, over the period of the next couple of weeks, uh, kind of all over the place. We launched this podcast with Martha Sternbach's amazing story, she turned 93 years old The day before we launched the podcast on November 18th, 2019, but that was 75 years since she had been liberated from Auschwitz Burkana, the Nazi death camp, if you haven't heard that story, scroll down and listen to episode one and share it out with some friends or find another episode that really moved you. And just share it. Just take a minute and do that right now and come back to this story. It means a lot. And one of your friends is going to thank you for helping them discover these extraordinary life stories. Thank you for listening. It means the world to us. We're back with LT Bourne. Imagine watching your father as a young boy leave, get into his car and leave. And knowing that he's just 10 minutes away, but he never calls. He never picks up the phone on Father's Day to check in on his son. The confusion. And that confusion leads to a sense of abandonment. Abandonment turns into not wanting to be abandoned by anyone. And the way to do that, as LT told us, in his life, was by people-pleasing. And that cycle can only last so long. It's a shell game of sorts. And LT, you talked about journaling in the first part, and that's where I want to pick it up with you again. You say the moment that changed everything was when I picked up my journal, and it was all self-negative talk. You said you made a decision that day to speak more positive in your journal which led to an introspection about your father's rejection. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, I I was writing a lot in my journal because I I knew that journaling is a way to get out of a dark place mentally. So I was writing for uh, Probably months you know i'm I'm unemployed, I'm feeling hopeless, and one day I just picked up my journal and I just started reading and i it, it's the net i couldn't believe how negative I sounded like it, it it just blew my mind away like where 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 I just asked where is this coming from and then I just started thinking and digging up and i read some of the things that I was speaking about. I'm like, wow, Leo, you're so insecure. You're so concerned about what other people is thinking. Where is this coming from? And then, you know, I went to university and I studied psychology. Then it, then it clicked to me in that moment that I was still in pain from my father's rejection. And, as much as I was suppressing that, as much as I was being naive to it, because I was sitting in the lecture rooms and I would hear about parental rejection, abandonment, and it leads to this. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't thought it applied to me. I was naive. I was in denial. But then when I read that journal in that moment and I thought about some of my lectures, I was like, Leo, you are suffering from abandonment issues. It's time for you to confront this. It's time for you to shift the narrative in your life. It's time for you to lead a different life. And in that moment, I started to journal with intentions of being positive. And from that process, it led me to writing my book. I wanted to shift the narrative of my life. I wanted to live a more positive life. And the way I did that was by writing with intentions of being positive and also making that decision to to tell my story. And once I did that, within three months, I got a call for a job. When I got the call for my job, my book was, 60% 60% completed. I I, I was like, I'm on to something. I started working and after work, I would go straight home and I'll start writing. Eh? And I did, I wrote for a period. It took me three months to complete my book after I was employed. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm on to something. You know, like, I just felt like I had to do this and once that book was completed and i published it and i put it out there my whole life did a whole 360 but i'll i'll allow you to ask me questions about that i won't really go into full detail about you know that process but yeah i mean the 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 journaling really um really opened a lot of gates for me and really shifted the narrative and really gave me back my life
0: yeah, in fact, you call it the quest for purpose and you describe it as a journey of self-discovery where you confronted a lot of misconceptions in your life. Can you tell us like what were those misconceptions?
1: That I wasn't worthy. That was a misconception that I have had about myself that I I always had to do things that other people wanted me to do in order to be accepted. Writing a book gave me a voice of 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 speaking and not worrying about what other people thought about me. I I I was able to be vulnerable. I was able to. Express myself in a way that I've never Expressed myself before And that destroyed The whole people's pleasing Mindset and attitude Now I'm living life on My terms, I'm doing what I want to do, I'm not Doing things for people anymore I'm not doing things to be accepted anymore I'm telling my story because I want to be liberated I want to live a life Of not holding on to Pain and regret That moment of telling my story gave me back my power as a man. And another misconception was the fact that if I express myself as a man, I'm weak. If I I expose my emotional side as a man, I am weak. And that, that drips into the topic of toxic masculinity that we have to address moving forward in modern day society because television has Painted a picture of men being robots, being the terminator, you know, not having any, any emotions, just being locked in all the time. That's not true. Men have emotional trauma. We can't express it because we are not allowed to express it. The minute we express our emotional traumas, we are viewed as weak men. So. I was able to destroy that idea of me being weak if I, if I expressed my emotions. The strength I gained by telling my story is a strength I've never felt before. I don't, I don't fear what people think anymore. What more, what is more powerful than that? There is no greater power than, and not fear, than have, than, 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 um, being Completely at one with who you are. There's no greater power than that. And I have that now.
0: I pulled out a few lines that spoke to my soul. And I know that the listeners of this podcast are going to appreciate them. You say, wisdom often comes with a lot of pain. It is our story, not our pain that liberates us. And then one more. We are either heading into a storm, in a storm already, or coming out of one. We all have a unique story of triumph inside of us. Can you just dive into, like, what you mean by that? How does wisdom come from a a lot of pain?
1: In order for you to understand wisdom... Well, for you to have wisdom for some people, not everybody. Some, some people are very intuitive and they can pick up on things. But for a lot of us, we have to go, go through it, then grow through it. And I'll say that again, we have to go through it, then grow through it. My wisdom didn't come from introspection and observation. My wisdom came from the many things I experienced throughout this lifetime and the setbacks and having to grow through those situations. I was the seed in the ground. that was rustling and tussling with the dirt until I hit the surface. That's my way of achieving wisdom for others it's different. But for, for, for the most of us who are growing up without a father, that's how we're gonna achieve our wisdom through going through growing through the dirt to hit the surface and and, and going through those 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 challenging situations and those negative narratives and, and, and those negative situations until you hit the surface and see the light and, and understand that you were planted in that ground to be fruitful to others once you hit the surface. You you went through your experiences so that you can be a blessing unto others. Wisdom o- often comes with a lot of pain because we don't have the guidance that other people have as fatherless males in order to succeed in this life. Our wisdom often comes with a lot of pain because we are trying to figure out everything uh, about this life on uh, by ourselves. And that's often a painful experience. However, once we get it, we are in a position to help a lot of people once we hit the surface.
0: You have an entire chapter around surrender. You talk about letting go, letting life happen. In your life, you mentioned reconnecting with God, uh, an important spiritual leader who reconnected with you. And earlier in this story, you talked about at the moment when you could make the decision not to go to church, you, you stopped. So can you tell us about sort of this reconnection and and the surrender and how that contributed to this transformation?
1: Yes. Um, there was a period when writing the book where I was trying to understand how to let go of everything my father Dear to me, you know, and and letting go of the societal expectations and truly accepting where I was and and trying to understand my my story in this lifetime. And I I was confused. I, I didn't know how I was gonna surrender or what I was gonna surrender to. So I reached out to my classmate who was on a spiritual journey miss penny lamore i believe that's her last name i i, I have to look that up I'm, i do apologize if i got her last name wrong but her name is penny and you know i i connected to her and she she gave me this this deep insight on on surrendering and once i grasped that i was able to let go and and be free, you know what I, I I looked at it and I, and I was like, Why am I holding on to my 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 past when I have so much to gain in this present moment there's 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 so much in front of me, but yet i'm looking behind me it It, it just seemed like an act of insanity to to be angry at my father's decision. That has already been made. But what am I going to do now about it? Priya, although I stopped going to church, I never stopped praying. Priya, and that relationship with God, I believe led me through the introspections that I gained throughout the whole entire process of being unemployed and writing my book, I believe he was always there with me. He was always there guiding me. God doesn't have a turn off and turn on switch. He's always there. It's it's up to us to, to listen, but he's always there. He isn't a person that walks out when you've made your worst decision. That's your guilt. He's still there. You can still come to him when you've made the worst most terrible decision in your life. I've watched um many movies of 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 mass murderers praying before they're executed. He's always there. So I I never let go of him throughout that process. My relationship with him to this day remains the same. And I I know a lot of people aren't spiritual, but spirituality helped me overcome my, my trauma. Because I was able to talk to him about it and ultimately surrender that trauma to him. So... That's my experience with surrendering in in my relationship with God.
0: Forgiveness. You talk about forgiveness in a very generous way. (laughs) And also a way that talks about the benefits for the forgiver, which is Mm. something I've experienced in my own life. So as I was reading this, I was like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) But you talk about forgiving your father for abandoning you. Uh And how that led you on this process of self-discovery, of even understanding life in a different dimension at a different level. Uh Can you tell us about forgiveness and and how other folks might be able to think about forgiveness in a different way?
1: They say holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what, that's exactly what resentment does to us. It destroys our lives and it allows the other person to live a full life. Being unforgiving doesn't help you in no way of your life. It strokes your ego because you feel as though you're hurting that person by. Not forgiving them, but in actuality, you're only hurting yourself. You're carrying those emotions, not them. They might be out there living their best life while you're there sitting in your little corner. Oh, this, I, I don't like what he did to me. Or you're just repeating that narrative in your mind over and over while they're living their best lives. I realized that holding on to resentment was again... An act of insanity forgiving my father and learning how to, to develop a strong perception of why he left allowed me to live a free, happier life. It allowed me to love him for for him and not his actions because i didn't I, I was able to see his actions as a product of the way he was raised and his environment, as opposed to the person that he was. I don't believe my father was a bad person. I believe that through his process, through his journey, through the way he was raised, through the experiences he went through, he, he encountered a, a, a problem that led to some sort of emotional trauma in his life that led to him resenting things that he loved or him trying to put up walls to stop people from loving him wholly. That's how, that's the perception I developed. And when I developed that, I was like, only thing my father really wants is love. And I'm going to give him that. Because see, he, he's probably never had that before. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, I love him. And it made me feel so good saying that. And I remember when I finally understood and I finally gained this perspective on forgiveness, I sent him him this text message. And I was like, Dad, I, I love you. I forgive you. And I forgive everything that you've done leading up to now. And... He replied back and he's saying, son, there's a lot of things that I need to talk to you about. And we're going to have to have a sit down to really discuss that, just to discuss those things. And, and when he replied and said that, it put things into perspective to me, uh, for me, cause it was like a, it's like a confirmation of, of what I was thinking about. There had to been something in his life that caused him to act the way he acted and and one up to now we haven't had that sit down um we haven't met up we were supposed to meet up earlier this year but covid-19 happened and flights um wasn't flying in and out of other islands but it's something that we are still trying to do i, I just we just had a a talk a few weeks ago so we are still trying to meet up and have a discussion but i am there you know I'm ready to sit down and look at my daddy as a human being and not as someone who hurt me. And as we grow, as we go through our journeys, people we are, we are gonna hurt people too. And the question is, how do you want that person to react? Do you want them to 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 be unforgiving towards you, knowing that you made a mistake? No, you want them to forgive you and and accept and 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 forgive the mistake you made in their lives and so i think we have to to do the same to other people do do unto others as as you would want others to do unto you so i i i realized that if i'm going to continue to grow and mature as a as a young man that learning how to forgive people was was the way i was going to grow into this the, the person that that I can be, you know, I I Nobody gives us a manual on how to live as human beings. We have to figure everything out. And a part of figuring things out is hurting people. But then we can also learn and understand from our mistakes. And I wanna I I forgive my father because I wanna Give him an opportunity to learn what I've been through because of the mistakes he made and understand what I've been through and help him to grow on his journey. So the conversation that we have, that we are about to have in the, in the near future is going to be geared towards his growth and also mine. We both are going to grow. And so that's why you forgive. You forgive so that our journeys continue on this life. Because we all are on journeys and we all should be helping each other to get where we need to get or where we need to go. And I'm not going to be a bad person and, and not help you. I want to see you get to the destination of your desires. And if, if, if the only thing I need to do to do that is forgive you, then I will forgive you. So that both of us can get to our destinations and become whole human beings at the end of our lives.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. LT, let's take a break and come back for some closing thoughts. It feels really good to do something as a team. And I want to invite you today, if you've been enjoying these podcast episodes, if you've been a listener, or if you think that you will be or if you just believe in our mission, of our stated mission to heal, inspire, and shape lives with extraordinary life stories, I want to invite you to join our team to enable this show to chip in a few bucks a month just to help keep this show advertising free so that we keep the sacred nature of this show. And in fact, you can sort of read about all of the things that I'm going to do but I want to demonstrate that season three we're piloting this program and I'm going to dedicate one of these segments to one of our enablers who signs up at BellyStory.com I'm going to read a poem that's dedicated to them that will forever remain in that place in the podcast we will never move it we will never replace it and that to me the idea of Incorporating poetry into this podcast is helping us go even deeper. And to be honest, I've been a poet from as long as I can remember in one way or another. But this year is the first year that I've really understood the value of poetry. The fact that the audience of the poet is the soul of another. And so when you hear poetry, you don't even need to necessarily listen to every word, write it down, take notes or anything. But it's more like you just let it speak to you. So the first enablers to sign up for this podcast, very heartwarming for me, but my brother and sister, Bob and Heather, older brother, older sister. I want to dedicate my favorite poem to them. This is a poem that was written in 1912. By James C. Threlfall. And it's called Be Swift, Dear Heart. And this is it's a very obscure poem. The only place that I've ever known about it uh, is like this very obscure printed paper from 1912. Like this guy just kind of wrote it in. And so that's the copy that I have. (laughs) So Let this speak to your heart, and if you believe in what we're doing, you can sign up as well at bellystory.com, just a few bucks a month, and see what I'm going to send you uh, for doing that. Bob and Heather, this goes out to you. Be swift, dear heart. Be swift, dear heart, and loving, for time is brief, and thou mayest soon along life's highway keep step with grief. Be swift, dear heart, in saying the kindly word. When ears are sealed, thy passionate pleading will not be heard. Be swift, dear heart, in doing the gracious deed, lest soon they whom thou holdest dearest be past the need. Dear heart, be swift in loving. Time speedeth on, and all thy chance of blessed service will soon be gone. We're back with L.T. Bourne. He's an author. You can find his book in the episode notes. I highly suggest that you read it. If you're curious, if you've been through this experience, if your husband or your brother or anyone in your life uh, has grown up without a father, it's it's worth understanding the depth of what that means to a young man and to an adult boy uh, into a good man uh, as LD has transformed into that even so much so that he's said that he has a deep gratitude for his father's absence and as we just heard a a genuine forgiveness and a growth uh, an opportunity for, for both folks to feel whole and that is the point of healing LT I would love for you to switch roles a little bit and let's go back to where we started you're four years old five years old and that vivid memory and, and i'm sure we can all imagine that right looking out the window seeing your dad hop in the car this is 25 years ago at this point but that's still just a visceral emotion for you and you, you feel it now but i'd like you to play the role of The father to your younger self and offer, be the father and give that young boy some confidence, some encouragement for what lies ahead.
1: And that younger boy being myself, correct? Who who was hurt by that situation. Yeah. I would tell him that people never hurt you because of what you do. They hurt you because of what they're going through. And that he should not take anything personal. Because my younger self took it personal. And he took it personal for many, many, many years. My advice to him is that he shouldn't take it personal. And that he should Learn to love people regardless of what you he hear about, regardless of what they do to him, say about him, or speak about him. So always learn to love people because they, they always do negative things out of their own lack, out of their own insecurities, out of their own traumas. People don't hurt you because of you, they hurt you because of themselves. An individual who has, who has fully accepted himself, who has fully loved himself, will never hurt you. They will always love you because they have come at peace with who they are. It's the individuals who are hurting that always try to hurt people because that's the only emotion that they know. So my advice to him would be, don't take it personal with those type of people. When they show you hurt Show them love Show them what they're missing in their lives So that one day They they would gain some Some insight Or they'll have a revelation Or they'll gain some introspection And the minute they gain that Your name will pop up in their In their subconscious of, Of an individual who loved them While they were hurting Respond to hurt And hate With love and you will always win in the end.
0: Powerful words. When they show you hurt, show them love. LT, it's been an incredible conversation. I want to <laughs> bring up one more point, And that's really to all of the other men out there who are in this same category of having the shared experience in life. And I mean, you're you had. Some connection with your biological father, right? You told us a story about the pointing to your muscles, so there is that fleck of uh, connection back in your childhood. There, there are men that we're talking to who've never met their biological father uh, in their life, then you know, ever. Um, There are also folks that we're talking to that had a father who just worked all the time, and they were absent even though they were there. And so I would love for you to close on a a quote here where you talk about the importance of narrative and storytelling and you say a father's absence is no excuse for falling short of life's goals and that those who are coming from fatherless beginnings are still in control of their narrative.
1: Yes. Yes. You know we we have to we have to recognize that we are on a hero's journey in this lifetime, and when you're on the hero's journey, for the beginning stage to the middle stage, even to the end, you're always gonna be met with obstacles and and negative narratives and things that are gonna destroy you, but every hero is given an opportunity to respond. How are you going to respond to that? Are you going to rise up and be victorious? Or are you going to fall down and plead the victim? It's your choice, victor or victim. Is entirely in your hand. It's like the Matrix. The blue pill, the red pill, which one you want, is entirely your decision. And if you choose to be the victor, you're choosing to fight through everything that's stopping you from achieving all your goals on this hero's journey, on this journey through life. You have made the decision. That you're going to fight till the bitter end, that you're going to fight with everything in your lungs until you achieve wholeness in your life. The victim, however, is going to blame. It's going to complain. It's going to make every excuse in the book. He will never achieve anything in his life because everything will be, will be met with pessimism, negative energy, And saying that he cannot do it. Which one sounds more appealing? The victor or the victim? My story is a story of someone who chose to be a victor. There's no victim mindset in in that book that you are about to read. There's no victim mindset in my actions. I chose victory. I chose to end this life being on top. And I'm willing to fight for that. Yes, there are children that's growing up um, with fathers in their homes. I, My value is just as equal to theirs and what I have to offer this world. They might have the support of two, but I have the support of a mother who carries the spirit of two. And that's powerful. That's something that should inspire me to see that my mother can carry two roles. So who individual I'm going to cheer for? The one who has two? or the one who has a mother who's carrying the spirit of two souls inside of her and everything she does. I know my power in this world. I know that my life was not a mistake now through my process of healing. I know now that To whom much is given, much is required and that the strongest soldiers usually get the hardest battles and the hardest fight. And so I embrace that knowing that God has given me a strength that is far beyond the average human being to carry emotional trauma and overcome emotional trauma and now be a beacon of wisdom to others. I recognize my power so my message to you is recognize your power, choose to be a victor, and life will unfold in ways that you will never imagine it unfolding. This is truly your journey. <laughs> this is truly a story that you you, you can never imagine how it's going to end. And the doors that's going to open to you once you choose to be a victor i encourage you to choose to be victorious and in all things that life throws at you always choose to be victorious thank you
0: lt thank you for making the choice to share your story with us we're thousands of miles away and you know we're all facing this pandemic moment but I feel very connected to you through your story and through your inspiring uh, you know just just telling us authentically what you went through but also with so much introspection and clearly you've you know writing your book has helped unearth a lot of that wisdom that may have been forgotten so I appreciate your story That you're sharing with us and I'm really, you know, I I mean, just as someone who's gone through this experience, you're kicking this season off for us. And so that's a huge (laughs) deal uh, in our book. Uh, This is our first episode in season three, Stories of Men, Fatherlessness and you're helping us see a huge part of that dimension. Uh at least for me I could see the entire narrative play out, the the entire transformation and I really appreciate that. And I also you know, I want to hear how things are going. You're you're 29 years old and um I know that your journey and even through dealing with this is lifelong and we're going to be talking to men of all ages, right? Um uh-huh. And we're going to hear how fatherlessness continues to come out throughout folks' lives. Uh So thank you for sharing your story with us and good luck to you.
1: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. And I know this this podcast is going to be powerful because we are facing a fatherless epidemic as we speak. Um, When you look at the statistics... Compared to the 60s, 70s compared to now There has been an increase in in fatherless households globally So this podcast I know is going to touch a lot of lives and a lot of souls And I just want to thank you for having me on here and sharing my story It's been a phenomenal experience And you've been a phenomenal host And I just want to commend you for for spreading this narrative and starting this narrative amongst your, your inner circle um, as we try to tackle this global epidemic. Thank you, David.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Belly of the Beast Life Stories. You know, like the creeks that flow into the rivers and the rivers flowing into the ocean... This podcast is continuing to fork out into different seasons of life, taking you further into your own pattern of transformation. And if you're ready, I want to invite you to visit bellystory.com and share your story with me. Even if it doesn't match the current theme, I'll still keep track of it and reach out to you. And to be honest, that's typically how these seasons are inspired, is by folks reaching out, and I realize what an important season of life that is. And look, if one of the stories has helped you look in the mirror and gain a new perspective on your life, or if the wisdom has moved you along in your own journey, I would love to hear about it. As always, the greatest way to help these stories reach the folks that need to hear them is to share it with a friend or two through a text message or on social media. And please write a fair review on Apple iTunes. You can visit bellystory.com for quick links on how to do all that. It takes a small team to bring you the highest quality podcast to wherever you listen. Milos Rosetta is our sound engineer. Artie Wu is our advisor and a frequent guest on beyond. And I'm David, all the host, producer and creator. And you, well, you're more than just the listener. Your life story is the reason why this podcast exists. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. I'm working on some stories that you need to hear. Be well.